You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, the dictionary plays an important role in defining our language, and as our language evolves, the dictionary has to evolve with it. But not all new words we use make the cut. So who gets to decide what words get in? What's in a name? Well, if it's either a name we don't know or need to legally withhold, it's usually John or Jane Doe. But why? Mount Rushmore is one of the most famous monuments in America. But will we ever add to the faces of the four presidents and shrine there? And even if we wanted to, could we? You know what movie I think of when I think of Mount Rushmore? What? Richie Rich. You ever seen that? <laughs> That's like, you could have given me a hundred guesses. <laughs> that would not have been one of them. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. So Dave, last month, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary actually added 690 new words to its database. What? I didn't really realize that they added that many oh my, one time. I thought you were going to say like six. <laughs> no, Jeez. 690. And so I chose five of them. And I want to ask you if you know what these words mean. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, I have to be up front that I teach high school. And so I unfortunately know what all of these words mean. Okay. Uh, I wish that I lived in ignorance about a few of them because they're just so ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to ask you the word and you tell me what it means. Maybe use it in a sentence if you're feeling crazy. Okay. Okay. All right. The first one is Riz, R-I-Z-Z. Yeah. Hey man, that hat's Riz. <laughs> yeah, so you don't know what it means. <laughs> we'll come back to them. Let's go through them all, and then we'll come back. Okay. okay. Number two is doggo. Hey man, hey man that hat's doggo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're zero for two. Number three is goaded. G O A T E D. Don't you dare say that hat <laughs> no, is goaded. No. Uh, so my brother just got back from the army. He's goaded. <laughs> But what does it mean? <laughs> I don't, a decorated? Like, goaded means you're, you're decorated. You're, you've been honored. You're, you're sniffing it. Okay. Okay, four, bussin, B-U-S-S-I-N. Bussin. I actually feel like I should know this one. I've heard this one used. Like, uh, I mean, that guy, he, uh, he's bussin. He, uh, <laughs> but you're using it like in a negative connotation, right? Yeah. Is what yeah. you're saying? N- not quite. Okay. And then our last one, and then I'll tell you what these mean, okay. is mid. M-I-D. Mid. Mid. Uh, man, that hat is mid. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't really know what any of these words mean. Uh, <laughs> so the first one, Riz. Riz is a noun, and it means romantic appeal or charm. Okay, doggo is a noun. It's just slang for dog. Like, oh, that's a good doggo. Okay. Goated. This is the one you got the closest is an adjective. It means like the greatest of all time. I, like, I so got like, that man, one, Michael Jordan, he's goaded, you know, yeah, <laughs> or something that like one. that. I got that one. Bussin, an adjective means extremely good or excellent. So you eat like really good food at a restaurant. You're like, this food was bussin. <laughs> Just so stupid. <laughs> and then that. mid, 
adjective, neither very good nor very bad. So you go and you eat just kind of whatever food. It's meh. And you just go, ah, that was mid. I, I'm ashamed. I, I feel like I knew that one. <laughs> well, Dave, there are dozens of words today in the dictionary that were not there 10 or 20 years ago. In addition to the ones we just talked about, Merriam-Webster has added words such as hashtag, selfie, YOLO, mansplain, clickbait, and catfish in reference to dating to the dictionary in recent years. And as our culture and language have evolved, the dictionary has had to evolve with it. Our language actually grows a little more than maybe you realize too, Dave. According to Global Language Monitor, around 5,400 new words are created every year, but only about 1,000 of those on average make their way into the dictionary database. But how do words get added to the dictionary? What's the criteria to make the cut? Well, Dave, there's actually a job for that. Lexicographers take a certain amount of time every day to read through a variety of material, including books, newspapers, song lyrics, and blogs, to try to put new words on their radar. Once a word is flagged by a lexicographer, the word is reviewed by senior employees. The dictionary database officially gets updated four times a year, and the reviewers are open to really anything that gets used as language. Allison Wright, editor at Oxford Dictionaries, explains we never leave words out of dictionaries on the grounds that they aren't good English. Similarly, if a word is used only in very informal context or only by specific groups of people, or if it is offensive in some way, we make this clear in the dictionary entry. In the past, a word needed to be used for at least two or three years before it could be considered, Dave, but in our modern and fast-moving digital world, words gain ground much faster now, and the lexicographer has to determine if the word is likely to stick around or if it's just a fad. Lexicographers also have to see the word used in a variety of formats, not just in a handful of songs or just in a newspaper. But Dave, once a word gets in, it will not be removed. Entries to the dictionary are not removed and in a way represent this interesting time capsule of certain cultural moments in time. For example, on this most recent crop of words, there were several terms about artificial intelligence, such as generative AI and large language model, which is obviously a commentary on the times we live in, where AI is rapidly changing our economies and industries in real time. But as we continue to speak to each other in new ways, the dictionary evolves with us. It's meant to be this living, breathing document of the times in a way. And as long as a word passes the criteria, there's really not much that can't get in if we're actively using it to communicate with each other. Here's some words that are actually in the dictionary that are kind of hard to believe. Okay, so <laughs> so bay is in the dictionary. Like B-A-E. Yeah, B-A-E. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's in the dictionary. Dumpster fire <laughs> is in the dictionary. And jerk face. Jerk, jerk face, face is in like, the dictionary. I feel like jerk I, face shouldn't be in the dictionary. Yeah, I feel like jerk face, even more than the rest of these words, just discredits the dictionary. Like I feel a, like we should, we should start a different dictionary because of jerk face. <laughs> like there's kids who just combined two words together, you know? It's like if you called, so like you might as well put butthead in the dictionary too. <laughs> It probably is in there. How did Merriam and Webster get the... How did they own the dictionary sphere, by the way? How did they own this realm? There's a couple... I mean, there's like Why is Oxford there no competition? Dictionary. Like, there's other yeah, dictionaries. But it's just they're kind of like the main one. We should start a dictionary. <laughs> I just thought about it. Well, we would just rip off all the other dictionaries. I mean, they've kind of <laughs> done all the work. <laughs> no, our dictionary would only have words that we like, so it'd have like 30 words. <laughs> Jay, how good are you with 
Like when you meet someone, are you prone to remember their name? Do you have some kind of system you use? I mean, you're a teacher, so you meet a lot of people every year. So surely you have some kind of system for remembering all these people's names. No, the system's just sort of keep faking it so you make it. You know, you just kind of keep the kid in your class and every once in a while you'll catch the name and it'll stick. You're, you're moving through the school year now. Do you know all your kids' names now? <laughs> I'm going to be totally honest with you. <laughs> it's only a handful, but there are a few that like I either don't know it or there's like two kids who are both like really quiet and they have like a similar name or they look similar and like I know it's one of the two. Like it's like you know what I mean. Like I know like you're you're either this or this. And if you're that, then you're, you're this. Like, like you're like great job, you fantastic <laughs> work. Yeah, I, I go to like buddy or like you know something like <laughs> that. Like like oh yeah, thanks buddy. And and I got I can't sell it. Like it's it's just a few. It's not that many. Yeah, well you know a few few's too many is uh, what I'll say. <laughs> but I I, can, I really can't knock you too much because I'm pretty bad with names myself. I'm really bad with baby names, by the way. Like, if somebody tells me their baby's name, I immediately forget it. But I always end up just calling people big guy or hey, you or hey, man, uh, your buddy. I use buddy, too. <laughs> like, I, I desperately rack my brain to try to remember people's names, so I use these these filler things. But I also think that that's kind of better than just going for it sometimes, right? Like, if you meet somebody named Chad... Like they introduce themselves to you and you guys talk for a little bit and then maybe you're at a party or something and you're leaving and you say, hey, it was good to meet you, Thad. Like you just confidently go in. Thad, well, it wasn't cha- – like you just shouldn't say it unless you're 100% right. You know, like you know what you're going to say. You know that it's correct. But this week, Jay, we're going to explore what we do when we either don't know someone's name or from a legal standpoint, we keep it hidden This week, we answer, why do we call unidentified people John or Jane Doe? Jay, from the halls of courthouses around the country to the morgues we encounter when someone passes away, if the government either doesn't know your name or needs to legally withhold it, you more often than not become a John Doe or a Jane Doe. While the first ever use of the Doe family is unknown, the practice is widely thought to have started way back in the 1300s during the reign of King Edward III in England. Jay, during this time, the names started to appear in legal cases around landowner rights, most notably during the strange and long-since-discontinued practice of ejectment. Jay, the easiest way to explain ejectment goes like this. Under old English common law, landowners had to jump through a bunch of difficult legal hoops to take action against squatters or people they were trying to evict. Because of this, it was often easier to bring about an ejectment case. During an ejectment, the landlord would ask for legal action against a fictitious person, a Jane or John Doe. In a hypothetical situation, I'm not making this up, this is real. Okay, so let's just say I owned a house and couldn't get someone named John Doe to leave, Judge. What could I do? The judge then would rule on this hypothetical situation, and that would lead to real legal consequences. If that sounds confusing and dumb, (laughs) it is. This is why all lawyers are just going to be AI in about 10 years. Just remove all the nonsense. Hey, man, back in like 1302, weird things were going on, especially in England. 
But from there, Jay, the names just kind of stuck. They trickled out from the courts, becoming the standard placeholder for an unidentified or anonymous person. But what about if both parties are unknown or someone is actually named John Doe, which has happened from time to time? Well, that calls for the secondary anonymous name, Richard Rowe. Roe, of course, most famously used in the landmark Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. Other uses have appeared through the years as well, Baby Doe, Johnny Doe, or Janie Doe. And in recent years, we've seen some non-gender identifying names pop up as well. Those include Kai and Nomen Nasio, which in Latin literally means, I do not know your name. <laughs> now... In my defense to earlier into not knowing every single kid's name, in the year 2008 or 9 or whenever these kids were born, people were naming their kids very similar sounding things. So lots of lots of N's to end the name, lots of Y's in the middle of the name. Listen, man, you don't have to defend yourself to me. <laughs> it's the parent-teacher conferences. That's what you got to be ready for. <laughs> Dave, on the topic of famous American monuments, uh, have you ever been to Mount Rushmore? I haven't. I've always wanted to, though, because it's, it's if you think about it, it's really weird, right? Like, we have these faces carved into this mountain. And here's the thing, too, about Mount Rushmore. It's actually a lot smaller than most people think it is. It is, and you have to stand really far away from it. Yeah. You don't get that close. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy that it's real, first of all. But then second of all, it feels like it should be huge if it was going to be real, but it's, it's really not. It's pretty small. So I think you probably will never go then. That's what it sounds like to me. Like you've already made no, up I your mean, mind like, about Mount Rushmore. Why would, I go, why would I go there? There's literally nothing that could happen that would take me to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> like you'd be out loud. All the people would be taking pictures. You'd be standing around like, this is it. <laughs> this is all I got, you know. Like, so just, there's. I think it's called the Hope Diamond. I'm probably really butchering that. There's a diamond at the Smithsonian in Washington D.C., and it's like one of the things that people go to the Smithsonian to see. And no joke, the last time I went to the <laughs> Smithsonian, I was so unimpressed with the diamond that when we got in the room, I said, "Really?" And like all these people looked at. It me. sort of puts in in reference, though, in a way like how <laughs> dumb humans are. In general. Like, like we found this thing. It's literally just like made in the earth. It's like a rock, and, uh, and we and we like were shushing. Me. We're like, oh, were you could buy me. a country with this, you know? Like, and it's like it's just a rock, you know? Like, what would an alien think about this? <laughs> yeah, it, like it just came out of me. Really? Like we stood in line to see this. Well, Dave, in 2020, the New York Times published a report stating that the then Trump administration had contacted the governor of South Dakota in 2019 to inquire about the process of adding another face to Mount Rushmore. Now, the Trump administration did deny this, even though the then president did tweet quote, sounds like a good idea to me about the news story. And while we can probably just chalk all this up to being funny and not that serious, is it even possible to add to the famous monument, even if we wanted to? Well, Dave, the National Park Service has a stance, and it's pretty clear it's not happening. 
Maureen McGee-Ballinger, Chief of Interpretation and Education at Mount Rushmore, told the Argus leader in June why by laying out two pretty clear reasons. The first is that the rock around the faces is unusable for such a project. She said, quote, When Gutsan Borglum, the sculptor of Mount Rushmore, died in 1941, his son Lincoln Borglum closed down the project and stated that no more carvable rock existed. The stability of the rock really actually matters here, Dave. In the original plan for the sculpture, for example, Jefferson was supposed to be to the left of Washington, but since that rock was deemed unstable, Jefferson needed to be squeezed in between Washington and Roosevelt instead. The second reason McGee Ballinger pointed out is that since the original intent of the monument was to honor specifically the first 150 years of U.S. history, adding to it would go against that original vision. She goes on to say, it is one man's artistic interpretation and a tribute to that period in our nation's history. The National Park Service takes the position that death stayed the hand of the artist and the work is complete in its present form. Now, despite this position, though, that has not stopped people from at least thinking about it. In 2017, stone carver Stuart Simpson told the Washington Post that he could add the face of someone else to the monument, but that he would need at least 25 designers, 30 trained stone workers, 125 laborers, and $64 million to get the job done, and that is three (laughs) times the cost of the original sculpture, even with the modern technology that we have at our disposal today. For what it's worth, Gallup conducted a poll in 2010 asking Americans which president they would most like to see added to the sculpture, and there was one pretty clear-cut answer. John F. Kennedy, who got 85% of the vote. And ultimately, while there have been movements to get more recent presidents added to Mount Rushmore, such as Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama, I wouldn't hold my breath on that happening. At least from the standpoint of the National Park Service, that is a monument literally and figuratively carved into stone. So I was right. It is the Hope Diamond that's at the Smithsonian. (laughs) Uh, It's valued at $250 million. So that, I mean, that is pretty cool. And and it says, uh, apparently, according to the Smithsonian, it is uh, not only the largest and most famous blue diamond in existence, but it's also the most viewed artifact in the world. I mean, I, I still hold by my really assessment, <laughs> but I mean, that, that's, it's at least kind of cool. You should go to Google reviews right now on the Smithsonian and type in like, saw the Hope Diamond, not impressed, one star. Have you, <laughs> have you ever seen anything that like really took your breath away. Like it really impressed you. I remember the first time I ever had an experience with like seeing an artifact and it setting in that like it was an artifact that was somewhere at a particular time was the first time that I saw Abraham Lincoln's hat in the American Museum of History in Washington, D.C. I was in eighth grade. And I think it was just the first time where I was like, that was actually his hat. And now it's in front of me. You know, like that that just never clicked for me until I saw that particular artifact. So I can definitely remember that moment. For me, it's probably uh, I went on this tour when I was in L.A. on the Warner Brothers lot. And so you got to go to all these different places where there were like movies and our, uh, our tour guide was very serious about not touching anything. Like, he kept saying, like, do not touch anything. Do not... Every time we'd go into a room, do not touch anything. You're about to tell me you touched something. Yeah, and so we went into this... We, we went into this room that had a bunch of stuff from all the Batman movies, which was really cool. And so it had uh, Christian Bale's Batman, like, costume. 
And so I just couldn't help myself. I touched him. <laughs> and he, and he immediately, he was on the other side of the room. And he immediately goes, I said no touch it. Like he screamed across the room at me. I didn't well, care. Yeah, he told I, you. I continued. <laughs> I continued to touch it, buddy. What do you do when you tell your son, "Don't touch that"? That he immediately touches it. How do you react? Well, he's not touching Christian Bale's that big. He's touching like an iron. He's gonna hurt himself. <laughs> And that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, X, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Trop. We'll see you next week. Now, I, uh, this was back in like 2007, probably. One of my really good buddies used to work at, at a store at the mall. And uh, so this is like right after I got out of high school, and I'd go visit him uh, sometimes on like the weekends. He'd be working. And so I just, I don't know why. It, sounds, it, it didn't sound ridiculous until I started to say it out loud. But I would, go to, I would go to see him and hang out with him while he was at work, which is probably not at great. At work? Yeah, weird. Um, <laughs> But because of that, I like made friends with some of his coworkers, and and one of his coworkers for some reason started calling me Adam, like he thought my name was Adam, <laughs> and I never corrected him. So for like years, this guy called me Adam. He actually years years he actually invited me to his wedding, and I I let and he wrote he wrote Adam. Adam. I let it go. <laughs> yeah, he invited me to the wedding, and he called me Adam. <laughs> to this day, he probably thinks my name's still Adam.